Welcome to the 11th episode of the Jesuit Schools Network Ignatian Inquiry Podcast. The JSN seeks to be a supportive resource to our member schools, and this podcast is designed to be just that carved out space to listen, learn, and engage with issues that matter to our collective work as Ignatian educators. We're eager to encourage a spirit of inquiry across the many layers of our work in Jesuit education. We envision our particular brand of Ignatian inquiry to be the art of inquiry as seen through our Ignatian lens, asking questions and exploring issues that matter in our schools through the frame of our shared Jesuit mission. On today's episode, we'll speak with Michelle Martin, the Director of Mindfulness and a French instructor at Brebeuf Jesuit Preparatory School in Indianapolis. Michelle will share about the evolution of her work at Brebeuf, offering mindfulness meditation courses, and how the program has grown into something that is woven throughout the school community via student athletics, clubs, retreats, faculty, staff, and adult formation, as well as a freshman seminar, new faculty orientation, parent program, and so much more. Listeners will learn about how her interest in mindfulness training grew out of her work in the classroom as a teacher in meeting the needs of the students in front of her, and how Ignatian meditation and mindfulness supports the mission of our school communities. A timely topic for this busy Advent season for educators, this conversation will be of interest to teachers and leaders across programs and academic disciplines in Jesuit schools. Michelle Martin is a certified mindfulness instructor in Indianapolis and has been a high school educator for 31 years. Her journey with meditative practice began 15 years ago, and when Brebeuf Jesuit Preparatory School expressed an interest in wanting to find alternative ways to address student mental health, Michelle designed and implemented one of the first four-credit mindfulness courses for high school students in the nation. The program began in 2017 with two sections of 15 students and has grown to five sections, which she teaches with the help of a colleague. An advocate of mindfulness for youth and adults alike, Michelle also serves as an adjunct instructor at Marion University, where she designed and teaches a Mindfulness for Educators course. Her areas of interest include trauma-informed mindfulness practices and mindfulness as a tool for equity. In her spare time, Michelle enjoys reading and spending time with her four special needs rescue dogs from Armenia. Dr. Kristen Ross-Cully, JSN's Director of Inquiry and New Ventures, joins us for this conversation on such an important topic. Ms. Martin and Dr. Cully, welcome to the podcast. How is everyone doing today? Doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, doing well. Thank you, Kristen. Michelle, I'm so happy to have you here and to know that I have this conversation to look forward to all about mindfulness at this busy time of year. Thank you. Thank you. It is a great time of year to, to have this conversation. It's it's almost wild to think that we are here to this point in the school year, nearly a semester done for most of our schools, right? And through the busy fall and, and heading here towards the holidays. So I think that the timing of this is feels just right to me. How, how are things going at Burbuff for you? They're great, actually. This year has just been, um, I guess I'm just always in awe of how blessed I am to have such wonderful students and colleagues that support the work that I do. And uh, I try not to take that for granted. Isn't that a terrific thing to be able to think about when you lay your head down at night, you know, the work that you do and how fulfilling it is. It's a terrific reminder in the busy days of that feeling. 
It really is. It's um, when I get up in the morning, in all honesty, it's it's a matter of waking up and saying, I get to go to work today. I, I never dread getting up and going to work. I just don't. And it's that's a blessing. And especially working in a in a high school, right? Working with students and adolescents, every day is different. Every every day <laughs> on your toes, right? So so true. <laughs> um, so Michelle, that's probably the perfect segue to to where I'd love to begin our conversation. Just tell us about the work that you do on mindfulness at Brabuff. Sure. So um, in this is my 19th year at Brabuff and 31 years in education in the classroom altogether. And I started at Brabuff as a French instructor. And it just kind of um, segued into several years ago, our school was looking for ways to really get a pulse on the students. Um, so we administered a climate survey, and that included questions on students' mental health, their emotional health, their spiritual health. And we, from that data we took, we decided that perhaps offering something, maybe a class, at that point we weren't really sure what kind of class, would be beneficial to our students. And we offered Mindfulness One. The very first semester was kind of born at that point. Mindfulness One is an elective. It's four credit and it's one semester. And it covers topics such as stress reduction, decreasing levels of anxiety, depression, emotion regulation, resilience, and increasing focus and concentration for our students. Just an overall course on well-being. Um, and that course, actually, after that first semester was done, there was a demand from the students for a second course. So we created Mindfulness 2, which is another one semester four credit course. Um, and that just offers more in-depth study of being aware of the present moment, cultivating uh, meaningful relationships. How do you use your talents and your gifts in this world for the purpose that, that God has given you? Mindfulness 1 and 2 became quite popular at that point. And then last year, we kind of moved into well, what would this look like, perhaps weaving it throughout the entire community. And we sat and we talked about it for a little while. And we thought, okay, what about if we offer the mindfulness as an introduction to all of our freshmen? Because at this point, Mindfulness 1 is only for sophomore, juniors, and seniors. So we have a freshman seminar class, and we thought, okay, well, that's where we'll start. And so I created a curriculum with the help of a colleague of mine for the freshmen, and we, I meet with them throughout the semester. We took that, and we even expanded it further out into the community so that I can work with the student-athletes in mindfulness on their personal and professional well-being, their performance in sports. We just try to weave it throughout the curriculum and weave it throughout the, the actual community that we have. And what drew you, Michelle, to, so beginning as a classroom teacher and as a French instructor, what drew you personally to mindfulness? Like after that climate survey, why were, why were you the one in the community, you know, to, to take on this new endeavor? That's a really great question. I think that over the years, when I was working in public schools, I noticed that there was something missing from my students. And it it was something that when they came in the classroom, they were just at a, in a disarray. And I started very, just kind of by accident, giving them a minute or two to decompress, a moment of silence, however they wanted to use that. And it started to to take hold with the students. And they would come in after lunch or whatever and say, hey, are we going to get to do our two minutes of whatever they called it? It was more like a decompression. 
We didn't call it mindfulness back then. And that started me thinking about actually my life. And when I was growing up, how my father and mother, rightly so, had me prepare for the future and my retirement and how I was going to get good grades and go to college. But I think that in some respects, I might have taken that too far. And I started to check off lists on my life every day. It was just kind of like a, um, did I get this done? Okay, great. I can move on to the next thing. And I started to realize that I was really not appreciating some of the most simple and beautiful things around me. And I was missing a lot of moments. So I began to read um, authors like John Kabat-Zinn, Jack Kornfield, Tara Brock, just to start off and learned a few meditation techniques. And that got me even more interested in mindfulness and meditation and how it could be beneficial. So I enrolled in a two-year mindfulness teacher certification program. And it was at that point where I thought, oh, this isn't this isn't just good for me. This is good for everybody. And especially with the students that I work with, they have a, a lot of expectations that they place upon themselves and that others place upon them. And I thought giving them some mindfulness techniques, some meditation practices would really help them rebalance their life so that they would be healthy mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually. And um That's kind of where I started with mindfulness, and that's where we are today. You know, it's remarkable to listen to. I think what I appreciate the most in that story that you just told is the idea that, you know, it was kind of a personal inquiry of yours as an educator, as a teacher, but just as a human being. And then something that you took and dove into and learned, and then flash forward however many years later, and here you have this kind of vibrant robust program in your school, you know, that's really influencing and affecting kids. It's just a nice, within the broader conversation that we're having about building a program, that's a really uplifting story to think about, about how as an educator, we can take an interest of ours, a curiosity and Mm -hmm. go with it. And then to build programming, it must be so rewarding for you to see kids engaged in this. What what do the students have to say about your work, about mindfulness and robust? Oh my gosh. So this is hard to talk about because I don't like to be, I don't want to be the center of attention or this is so great and I'm doing such great work here. This really is about the kids and what they're taking from the lessons. The overall feedback I think has been obviously quite positive and explains how the course enrollment increased over the years. Um, A lot of students will tell me that they don't come during the class and say, hey, hey, I'm learning this, this, and this, and this. Usually what happens is when the class is over, they'll come back and say, you know what? I think that I'm learning how to respond instead of react in certain situations, or I'm learning how to not stress too much about my college applications or my final exams. A few students have come back and said, This mindfulness, even though it's taught in a secular manner, really has helped me understand and deepen my own faith tradition by helping me slow down, being grateful, being aware. And it's funny that you mention students and what they say, because actually last night I received a text from a student who said, hey, madame, I'm just letting you know that I'm in another mindfulness class at the university level. And it's so cool because I think I'm the only one that ever had mindfulness before. So from that aspect is rewarding, but also from the aspect of a student um, who will say as they're at the end of class, when they're leaving, they'll say, can I stay in here, please? It's just really sweet. 
Oh, especially in the, you know, all of the, we have so much conversation in schools today about the achievement culture and everything so fast forward and all the pressure and demands that we put on students. I mean, it must, you must see a tangible, again, maybe not in the actual moment, but that's right. That's being a teacher is knowing that the learning might come up later on. You know, one just practical question as I listen to you. So, so how does it work with the, so it's an elective and it, so there's enough room, there's room for, for students to, to enroll. Absolutely. It's interesting because many students will take the mindfulness one and then there will be some that take the mindfulness two, but it's a little bit harder to get into their schedules a little bit later. So I like to see the sophomores and juniors take the mindfulness one so that the seniors will have more room for the mindfulness two. And sometimes when they, they can't fit it in, we still meet with them. My colleague and I will take a, not really an independent study, but some some free time that we have together with the students and just meet with them occasionally and see how things are going and see if we can talk with them or teach them some new techniques that might be helpful to them. Because the interest is there. And yeah, I asked that question just, you know, knowing that so much of the tradition and routines of schools is built around academic program and space and resources. And, you know, I'm probably sounding like someone who used to do the schedule, which I am. So... (laughs) You know, thinking about thinking about just the boundaries sometimes that we put up on new learning in our schools. And so it's that's it's encouraging hearing how it fits up or above. Now, so you've taken the work over the years that you do in the classroom with students and you've you've been doing more work with adults. So just talk to us a little bit more about that, some of the formation work with your colleagues and with maybe parents in the community. Sure. So um, one of the things that we decided to do this year is to offer the mindfulness to the adults in the building, faculty, staff, and leadership team. Um, and basically what we did, we sent out a survey and they respond, sending me information about this is what my background is in mindfulness, if I have any or none. And we meet one hour after school, every other week, sometimes every week. And we go through some of the basic techniques that we use in the mindfulness one and two classes for the high school students, which include journal writing, um, moments of gratitude, meditations. Uh, Sometimes it's just conversations about how can we find the time as educators, as people, busy people in general, to recenter ourselves and to to replenish our energy and mindset so we can be there for our students, so we can be there for our families. And, And so that has been well received. And then this semester, I was thinking about the parents and thought, why not? You know, their students, their children are in the mindfulness classes and they have a lot of questions. So this semester, I'm offering uh, one hour mindfulness sessions in the evening for parents and grandparents of current students. And that's been exciting because I was not quite sure how that would be received at six o'clock on a Monday evening. And uh, we've been having about 15 to 20, 20 parents come. It's wonderful. Oh, I'm sure it was received with gratitude. I mean, that's that's quite an offering, quite a, a service really of sorts, right? For parents, maybe in a, in a way, in a different way than we thought of traditionally. Now, can you speak a bit about your experience in mindfulness work pre and post pandemic? You know, just as over the past few years, there's been so much conversation in the air, I think, about mental health and mental and well-being, particularly with with adolescents. But uh, but can you speak of your experience of that? That's a really great question, because pre pandemic mindfulness was kind of um, the term was out there, I think. But there wasn't much credibility given to it because a lot of people thought that it was just fluff, something that, you know, 
people do from time to time. And I think during the pandemic, with everything that happened, what I have noticed is, you're right, people have started to speak about mental health. And our students, they've been emboldened to speak out, if you will. They're talking about their stresses. They're talking about their anxieties. Our, our students are intelligent. They're resilient. And they, they want more out of their lives. They want to understand how they can balance, have more balance in their lives. So what I have noticed in the classroom, especially, is students sharing information about going to the therapist, talking about some depression issues they've had, talking about anxieties and stresses that they have. And now, granted, I'm not a mental health counselor. We do have one at the school. I'm just offering a space for them and some practices to kind of help like at a tier one level of support. But they're definitely much more open to that. And they're finding their voices and asking for more opportunities to, to work with the challenges and the stresses that have been put upon them. So I would definitely say that the discussions in class have been more open, honest. And I think what I really, really appreciate is how supportive the students are of each other. I think that they gain an appreciation that somebody else is going through that. It's not just me and I'm not alone. There's real power that comes in that openness and and not shameful, you know, these right. experiences, these, you know, the things that you're speaking of that are that are human, kind of the ups and downs of life. And and for students, for young people to know that there isn't shame in that. And in fact, that, you know, there might be might be a space where you can really feel comfortable, comfortable naming those feelings. It just really all sounds like progress to me as I as I hear that and as I think about working with young people today. So I really am appreciative of the work that you do for allowing those conversations. What about your particular sense of how Jesuit education, how Ignatian spirituality informs this conversation? You know, especially having the background of having worked in, in public schools prior to your time at Brabuff. What is it about Ignatian spirituality that helps you in this work? And as you know, in public schools, you know, you can't you can't speak about God in the classroom. And that's tough because I think some of the students really desire that. Um, they have a connection with something that is greater than they are. And they do want to talk about it. When I made the move over to Brabuff and made that switch, one of the first things that Brabuff did for us was there's some formation that takes place for new teachers. And that was really important to my understanding of what a Jesuit school is. And what I learned, there are three things that really stuck with me from that those first meetings for the for the new teachers. And they were, I believe, lessons that Ignatius had taught. And one of them is that God can be found in all things, the people, the places, all sentient beings, nature. And we are to honor and respect all of that because they are all sacred. And I always believe that. And in this environment, I'm able to work the mindfulness and the Ignatian pedagogy together. I think another example is trusting the process and allowing God to reveal your plan. And in that plan, you will find joy, which was actually a discussion we had in class yesterday about the difference between joy and happiness and how the, the students were talking about, I don't want to just be happy because when I think of happy, happy relies on outside things. I want to have joy and I want it to come from within. Um, I think 
that the students really want to share their gifts and their talents, and they want to learn and have time to connect with others. I know there's a um, a lot of people will say, oh, but they're always on their phones, and that's how they prefer to communicate. You know, if you sit and you talk with them and you actually have conversations about this with them, they really do prefer to connect with others. And that was one of the things I, that Ignatius taught us is that sharing our gifts, our talents, connecting with others, it helps us become our best selves. And then also to view the world as our space to serve with grace, with respect. It's truly, a, it's a sacred, mindfulness is a very sacred process. Being Amber Buff allows me to put more words and, and, and explain that process in a, in a better foundation than I have been in my public school. Well, and also for the school to support this work, to make the time for it, to um, support the resource of having a teacher offer this curriculum and everything that goes into that, it's modeling the connections that we hope to see in students, you know, not on their phones, as you say, you know, is kind of a, a metaphor, but but you're really, the school is really modeling what you hope, I think, what we as, as Ignatian educators, as those committing ourselves to Jesuit education, what we value most, you know, that relationships are integral to learning. And this is a, this is a really prime example of that. I also appreciate hearing you say something that you learned. You said this was your 19th year for buff, right? So something right. you learned in your new faculty orientations about St. Ignatius and Ignatian spirituality 19 years ago, still yeah. still being animated today. Yeah, it, absolutely. You see it in the school. You absolutely feel it and see it in the school. That's what's it's so amazing about it. Now, something that you said at the start when you talked about the to-do list, so that really struck <laughs> at my core because that's kind of very much the way I, I am feeling right now and thinking about all that needs to be done and, and all that there is to do and enjoy, of course, in this season of Advent. But, you know, busy busy working families, working parents, I think, can, can really understand that to-do list. So can you walk us through, Michelle, just a simple mindfulness exercise that might resonate with busy education? who are listening, you know, at this point in their year, um, something that we might take away with us? Absolutely. So I know it's hard to say no to things. That's what everybody's always told me, just say no to something. So, you know, you'll, you'll be able to appreciate the season a little bit more, you'll be able to appreciate your days a little more. And that is difficult. So the way I started actually, with a mindfulness exercise during this season, is to, with the adults, to walk through an exercise that there's really no name for it. But what I ask people to do is on their phones, find a nice chime or something, not an alarm that can be quite disturbing, but just a, a gentle chime and set your chime to go off maybe two or three times during the day. When you hear your chime go off, I ask you to pause what you're doing and receive three slow, deep breaths. And if you don't want to set your watch or your phone, then another alternative is to pick a person, somebody that you see throughout the day, or pick two people. And when you see that person in the hallway or wherever that might be, that's your reminder to pause and receive your three breaths. And giving yourself that time to breathe deeply like that. And if you do it on a day-to-day -day basis, two or three times a day, what happens is that you rewire your brain to crave that, to remind you so that you don't have to have an alarm anymore. 
and you'll find your brain telling you, hey, don't forget to pause and just take a moment to stop. It's okay to do that just for a little bit of time and, and breathe a little bit. Usually what ends up happening is you clear your mind, you're able to restart whatever you were doing. And maybe, in, at least in my world, it was instrumental to me saying, you know what, this is what's important to my day. So when my students walk into the into my classroom, I've already had my breaths. And so the first thing I'm looking at is their faces. What's going on with them today? You notice more things and you you take in the good, so to speak. And I think that being able to do that just changes your whole outlook. And it does bring you that joy that my students were talking about the other day. Thank you for that. You know, I think that that we talk about meeting people where they are and as as leaders in our classrooms, you know, being in tuned with the students sitting in front of us. I mean, that's a that's a prime example of that. It's also really a definite skill for life moving forward, you know, and I, I think it's one of the things when I learned about your work and I learned about your work from the province office and from your principal, Greg, and and uh, just, you know, really kind of hearing about it. It's one of the things that I felt like was so powerful of a school being supportive of this type of learning with students. This is, as you said, from the student who sent a message from university, you know, this is something that that they take with them. So, so thank you for, for sharing that with us. And as you think about folks who are listening in on this conversation, which we're always grateful for, what would you like them to leave with? Like, what would you encourage schools at the end of the day to think about when they hear about your work? When they hear about the work that's going on here at Brabuff, I would really like them to understand that mindfulness is so empowering and our young adults really do crave it. And they might not know it by that name, the, the name of mindfulness. But if you sit down with them and have a conversation with them about their well-being and their desire to be healthy physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, inevitably what they describe to you will be what a mindfulness meditation practice encourages, develops, and supports. And so I have heard it said that there are people that are concerned about how mindfulness will either take away from class time or religious traditions. And my response is it truly does not do that. And it can easily be implemented throughout the fabric of our schools, what we offer. I would love, be happy to share with anybody more details on, on how to do that and how it does fit into your schools. And you don't have to start big, you can just start small. So if you had to leave with anything, just listen to your students and, and tune into them and be open to, to what they're telling you. Well, and it's a challenge or a call for presence wherever you are to be there fully, which I think is is something that uh, both kids and and adults listening in. That's why you can can understand. You know, I think that's why you have gotten the support that you have within your communities, and also why you know there's there's a broader interest in this. So thank you for sharing it, Michelle. Again, I I love the idea of a busy educator who has a passion and interest in a field of study and really goes with it and learns it and brings that to to work and look at the good that comes. So thank you for sharing with us. Oh, absolutely. And and I mean, I have to say it's it's because of the school that I work in. It's the administrative leadership team. It's my colleagues. They're just all so supportive. And without that, none of this could have happened. Well, we are all encouraged now to go get our chime. I like that challenge. <laughs> I like the 
I like, again, I'll get, I'll get out of my, my uh, to-do list <laughs> homework ways at some point, but in the meantime, I'll start with a simple reminder during the day. <laughs> Thank you for that, Michelle. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Ignatian Inquiry podcast. Michelle's contact information can be found on JSN's website at www.jesuitschoolsnetwork.org slash Ignatian-inquiry-podcast. The Ignatian Inquiry podcast is hosted by Kristen Smith and Dr. Kristen Ross-Cully. This episode was recorded, edited, and produced by Kristen Smith and directed by Dr. Kristen Ross-Cully. To learn more about the Jesuit Schools Network, please visit www.jesuitschoolsnetwork.org. Stay curious and set the world on fire. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year.